Okay? Okay? All right, right on. Okay, all right. So, Father, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to gather together, Lord, and to experience community. We can, Lord, love one another and encourage and pray for one another and to come together and to open your word and to hear you speak to our hearts. We're so thankful for the body of Christ. We're so thankful, Lord, for worship, and we thank you for the precious time of worship and how the words penetrated our hearts, Lord, to know that you're with us and you were the one that saved us. And we just cry out to you and we, we serve an audience of one. We thank you for that time of worship, Lord. And Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would, Lord, just speak to us. I pray, Lord, a special prayer for the, the Allen family, Lord, that your hand of, of comfort and, uh, Lord, um, encouragement would be upon them at this time. Father, just continue, Lord, to pour your spirit out as we seek you through your word, Lord, and I decrease that you would increase. I am to myself of myself, so fill me with yourself that everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. I praise in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. If you have your Bible or Bible app, turn to Proverbs chapter 18. We're now in chapter 18. We're now in part 19 of our series, Wisdom That Works. Everyone say that, Wisdom That Works. Again, Proverbs chapter 18. And before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from uh, chapter 17. We, didn't, uh, we were not in Proverbs last week because uh, Brother Gil Medell preached on Pastor Appreciation Sunday, and I appreciate his, uh, just the wonderful message that he uh, preached that Sunday. Amen. So I want to just do a quick review from chapter 17. And you might remember this. I gave you three points, and the first point uh, was a refining fire. Say that. A refining fire, that's verses 1 through 5 of chapter 17. And there's nothing appealing about a dry piece of bread, Solomon's saying, yet the blessings of peace and quietness in the home is so amazing that it can make a dry piece of bread seem better and more satisfying than a house full of feasting with strife, right? And then he says, the disgraceful son becomes a servant and the wise servant becomes the son. And then the crucible, crucible is a container used to, to heat metals to burn off impurities, and he says, a crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Listen, just like uh, the refining fire burns off impurities of silver and gold, God, through a refining process, what he does, he burns off the impurities in our lives. Someone say amen. And then he, Solomon, points out the person who listens to other evil people and finds their counsel appealing, that's because they're both evil. They're both evil and that the liar delights in spiteful things said about others because their ears itch for a dirty gossip. And then he says to insult the poor is to insult God and smirking over someone's agony, even if they deserve it or earned it, is contrary to God's will. A refining fire. The second point was family pride. Say that, family pride. And that was in verse 6, simply that grandparents should be proud of their grandchildren and children should be proud of their parents. And the third point was fools and friends, say that. And that's verses 7 through 28 of chapter 17. And uh, Solomon says, don't ever expect the words that come out of a fool's mouth to be wise or having any value. Okay, And then Solomon points out the value of a friend who loves at all times and one who is what? Born for adversity. This now brings us to today's text. The title of my message is, A Friend 
to the end. Everyone say that with great enthusiasm. A friend to the end. I love that. Amen. Uh, we have five points today, right? Five points. The first one, if you're ready, say yes. Is Number one is the fool's mouth. The fool's mouth. And that's in verses one through five, and I want you to follow me as we go through this. And Solomon opens up by saying, an unfriendly man pursues selfish ends. He defies all sound judgment. Now, I want to read this out of the New American Standard Bible. It says, one who separates, or in other words, isolates, say isolates himself, seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. The New Living Translation renders it like this. Unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. Do you get that? So in other words, this person doesn't care about community. Doesn't care about community. They only care about themselves. They isolate, they separate themselves, and they refuse to listen to other, other people's advice, counsel, insight. They refuse to listen to correction. Okay, they, they harden to the views, they're, they're hardened to the views and experiences of others, and they exhibit a superior attitude as if other people's counsel is beneath them. They, they have a resistance to wisdom. And I want to tell you, friends, this or that kind of attitude is unhealthy and dangerous, right? And this is an attitude that Christians, that we Christians should never display in our lives, right? We should be about what? Community, say community, not isolation. And we should listen to the advice and the counsel and the insights of others, even if it's not what we want to hear. Now get this, when you voluntarily pull yourself away, you will be left to your own selfishness. Got it? So this person isolates themselves. We don't. We care about community, and we care about getting advice and counsel into our lives. Can someone say amen? Verse 2, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. And this is the person who, when someone is speaking to them, they're not really listening. You guys with me? Okay, instead, they're waiting to give their opinion. They have no interest in listening or understanding others. In fact, friends, what this person has to say comes from an ignorant heart. Look at the text. A fool finds no pleasure in what? Understanding. Question, when someone is talking to you, are you really listening? Are you really listening to what they're saying or are you thinking about what you're going to say next? You really have no interest in what they're saying. You just want to say something after they say what they're saying. If you're safe, say amen. Listen, in order to understand someone as they're speaking, we need to patiently, say patiently, listen to them so that we can fully understand what they're saying. But i got to tell you, this is a challenge for the guys. Women speak about 35,000 plus words a day, a day. Men, about 15,000 words a day. So there's, there's a gap there, and it's a challenge, right? We speak different language. We do. We speak a different language. And that's okay, but we got to understand, right? I mean, you asked me, Pastor, how's the weather? It's cold. Put on a jacket, dude. You ask my wife, how's the weather? Well, the wind chill factor is this and that. And you know, it's a little chilly out there. We just, we, we, different language. And so we got to understand that we need to listen to others in order to understand and value, say value, what they're saying. And by the way, listen now, by the way, when you ask your wife what's wrong and they say nothing's wrong, something's wrong. Are you guys with me? 
So try to understand, right, and value what someone is saying. Don't, don't try to just say, well, I'm, I'm not listening. I'm just going to just interject my own opinion. No, no. Value the fact they have something to say. Can someone say amen? Verse 3, when wickedness comes, so does contempt, and with shame comes disgrace. In other words, friends, wherever there is wickedness, Solomon's saying, wherever there is wickedness, shame, shame's not far behind. Got it? Living wickedly, he's saying, leads a person into shame and humiliation. Verse 4, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. I love this verse. But the fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook or babbling brook or brook that, uh, 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 one, one that streams water. And Solomon's not, I want you to understand some. Solomon's not saying that everyone's words are deep and meaningful. Rather, that people reveal the depths of their heart. Listen now, the depths of their heart by the words of their mouth. And that when the wellspring of a person's heart, get this now, when the wellspring of a person's heart is rooted, say rooted, in wisdom, it will then flow out from their words. Therefore, it's like a rushing stream, a babbling brook. Are you guys with me? And just like water refreshes a thirsty person, wisdom is also intended to refresh others. To refresh others with a continuous, listen now, supply of blessing, insight, and counsel. So question, that being said, question, do you want to be able to give good counsel, insight? Do you want to be able to supply blessing to others? Not a rhetorical question, yes or no? Yes, right? Then listen now, then be filled with God's word. That's how it happens. Let his word dwell in you. I want you to write this down before we go to uh, verse 5. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the word, Paul writes, let the word, say the word, of Christ. Listen to what he says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Did you get that? Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Again, let the word of Christ dwell in you, dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So we need to let the word of God go deeply within us and let it come out of us refreshing. This is now come out of us refreshing the lives of those around us. I don't know about you, but I hope that that. My life and what I say, my words will refresh the lives of those around me. Amen? Verse 5, it's not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the innocent of justice. And this has to do with injustice in the court of law. And here, you know, you have this dishonorable judge who acquits the guilty and deprives the innocent of justice. Now, as a wise king and a wise judge, Solomon practice fairness on behalf of his subjects. And he pr prosecuted the guilty, Solomon did, and dispensed justice for the innocent. Verses 6 and 7. Both of these verses, by the way, essentially state the same thing. So let's read both these verses 6 and 7. A fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a what? A beating. Wow. Verse 7, a fool's mouth is his undoing, and his lips are a snare to his soul. And you see, argumentative people get into trouble because why? Because their words stir up trouble. They stir up trouble. They're intended to, and as they do that, they're intended 
to injure. The words that are intended to injure others by speaking perversely, but instead, listen now, but instead they hurt themselves. Their words boomerang. They throw it out, but it comes back and it injures them. It beats them up. And their life is caught in a trap by their foolish words. So don't be a fool. Amen? Verses 8 and 9, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to man's inmost parts. Now, let's be honest. It's part of our sinful human nature to have an appetite for gossip. Really, it is. And for some people, it's, it's hard to resist. It's enjoyable to them as a tasty morsel. They're greedy and hungry for gossip. Now, I want you to look at the text again because I want to point this out to you. The text says this, they, speaking of words of gossip, they, those words of gossip go down to a man's or woman's inmost parts. In other words, you see what we hear from the gossiper, whatever they gossip, gossip about, what we hear from them will have an effect on us. In other words, it will go down to our inmost parts. In other words, listen now, it will change the way we feel or think about the person who's being gossiped about. You guys got that? And that's what he's talking about. It will go down into the innermost parts. And we're prejudging somebody without getting the facts. Verse 9, one who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. So Solomon's simply saying this is a person who is so lazy, so lazy, slothful, that they're always looking for shortcuts. Shortcuts which ultimately causes problems. And they're as bad as someone who destroys things. Listen, church, there's never, say never, an excuse to be lazy in work. Are you guys with me? There is never an excuse to be lazy in work. Laziness is theft. It is. It's theft. You live off the work of others. Laziness is selfishness. Say selfishness. You live for yourself in comfort. Laziness is neglect of duty. You don't do what you should be doing. And you've heard me say this many times through this series, the hardest working people ought to be Christians. We should never be known as being slothful or lazy. You guys with me? So the fool's mouth, number one. Number two is the safety zone. Say that. The safety zone. Write that down. Look at verse 10 with me. Solomon says, the name, say the name of the Lord is a what? Strong tower. The who? Righteous run to it and are what? Safe. Isn't that a wonderful verse? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. In Hebrew culture, a name was not just a mere label, but usually, friends, an expression of the character of a person. Now, the name of the Lord, say that, capital L-O-R-D, the name of the Lord is Yahweh. Say Yahweh. It means the existing one, the existing, the self-existing one. It's the proper name of the one true God, also known as the covenant name of God of Israel. Got it? The name of the Lord, Yahweh, self-existing one, right? The one, say one, true God. There are many gods, guys, but there's only one true God, one true God. I love what David Guzik said. He said this, Debeguzik said this, this is rooted not in a magical saying of his name as if it were a charm or a spell, but in the name of the Lord as a declaration, declaration of his character, his person. I love that. 
In all that he is and all that he stands for, Yahweh the Lord is a strong tower. Now, I love this. I'll tell you why I love this. This reminds us of what his name means. Because at times, let's be honest, at times we can just go through the motions of saying his name. In the name of God, or God. And not really focusing on the nature and character of his being. And we can casually just go through the motions of saying, oh, in God's name, or, or God, or God. And sometimes we do that. But we must stop and understand and reflect on the fact the name of the Lord, understand his nature, his character, and his being as you say that name. Amen? You see, in his nature, character, and being, there's, there's refuge. It's a safe place for who? He says the righteous. The righteous. Right? So as we call upon the name of God, knowing, not just saying God, but we understand his nature, his being, who he is, we, the righteous, run to it, and what? Find safety. Say amen. You can have your safe say amen again. Our security, listen now, friends, is based on God's character. We find security in all that he is. All that he is. So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Call his name. Call his name. Right? Understanding his nature, character, his being who he is, call his name. When you're fearful, when you're in need, when you're hurting, when you're sick, when you're lonely, when you're depressed, when you're sad, when you're weak, call his name. Why? Because he is healer, he's sustainer, he's provider, he's redeemer, he's deliverer, he's protector, he's comforter, he's almighty, he's all-sufficient one. Let, listen now, friends, let the truths, say truths, about him be your strong tower. Let his nature and his character and his being be your strong tower. Find security in all that he is. In other words, when I call, when you call his name, we're reminded that he's healer, sustainer, provider, redeemer, and so on, and so on, and so on. Verse 11, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. So in contrast uh, to the righteous, we find their strong tower, their safety in God and God's character. The rich person who trusts in his riches, who is only rich and nothing else, finds refuge only in their wealth. And this person, listen now, sees their wealth like a high wall around a strong city, not realizing that their wealth, their money, cannot and will not provide safety ultimately. You guys with me? So with that being said, question, is your trust in God or in riches? Is your trust in God or in wealth? Here in the Silicon Valley, it's all about making money. It really is. And some Christians have gotten caught up in it. Nothing wrong with making money, but just make sure it's in its place and that you don't put your trust in it, right? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, write this down. 1 Timothy 6, 17, Paul writes, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is, listen now, so uncertain. But, say but, to put their hope in God. A good place to say amen. 
listen now, to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Amen? And I want to tell you, friends, listen now, listen, listen. The stock market could crash. You can lose your job. You can lose your business. You can lose your house. And if that's what you put your trust in, then you're left with nothing. On the other hand, if you put your trust in God and you lose everything, you have not lost the one thing that will sustain you and keep you safe. He's your strong tower. Amen? Psalm 18, 2, write it down. Psalm chapter 18, verse 2, the King James renders it like this. The Lord is my rock. Say rock. And my fortress. Say fortress. And my deliverer. Say deliverer. My God. Say my God. Say my strength. Listen to what he says. In whom I trust. My buckler and the horn, the strength of my salvation in my high tower. Amen. God is our safety zone. Now let's look at verse 12, and before we move on to the next point, before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility, say humility, comes before what? Honor. In other words, what Solomon's saying, haughtiness brings destruction, while humility brings honor. Destruction, listen friends, destruction or honor is a choice. It's a choice. And only, he says, only in humility is there true honor. So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? And this has been a, 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 um, a continual theme of our lesson in Proverbs. Here we go. Be humble. Be humble. Say, be humble. So the question, the question on the floor is this. This begs the question, how can you and I learn to be humble? How can we do it? Well, we need to read God's Word. And as you read God's word, listen now, friends, look at the life of Jesus, get this now, and then compare yourselves to him. Got it? You may be that, but you're not all that. You see, it's one thing to compare ourselves to another person, but quite another thing to compare ourselves to Jesus. Because when you compare, we compare, when I compare ourselves to Jesus, oh, man, ooh, I ain't all that. Right? Follow me here. When we spend time in God's Word, we really see who we are. Don't we? And you know what I'm reminded of as I was studying? I'm reminded of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Go home and read it. But he saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne in a vision. He saw the Lord high and exalted, seated in, on the throne. And the train, the train of God's robe, the Lord's robe, filled what? The temple. And, and Isaiah says, woe to me, woe to me, I cried. He says, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You're safe, say amen. You know what the Word of God is? The Word of God is a mirror. It's a mirror, Right? that we view ourselves in. And what it does, it reveals to us who we are. And like Isaiah, as we open up the Word of God, we should say, woe to me. Woe to me. And that will humble us. Right? And God loves it. He loves it when we're humbled. He will exalt us when we're humble. Amen? The fool's mouth, the safety zone, number three is words matter. Say that. Do they matter? Absolutely they matter, right? Verse 13, he who answers before listening, that is his folly. 
and his shame. I'm going to read that again. He or she who answers before listening, that is his or her folly and his or her shame. So this is a person, listen now, who responds without hearing the full story. You guys with me? Without getting all the facts. And what they do is they interrupt, they interrupt without letting the other person finish their thought. So here, here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Take time to listen and understand. We got to take time to listen and understand. And we cannot understand someone, friends, if we keep interrupting them. Right? We need to pay attention. Say, pay attention. And make sure we get the whole message, make sure we get the whole story so we can understand what's being said. It was June 18, 1815, the Battle of Waterloo. And the French, under the command of Napoleon, were fighting the Allies, British, Dutch, and Germans, under the command of Wellington. And the people of England depended on a system of semaphore signal flags to find out how the battle was going. And one of these signal stations was on the tower of, of Winchester Cathedral. And late in the day, it flashed a signal, Wellington defeated. And just at that moment, one of these sudden English fog clouds made it impossible to read the message. And the news of defeat quickly spread throughout the city. And the whole countryside was sad and gloomy when they heard the news that their country had lost the war. But suddenly, the fog lifted and the remainder of the message could be read. The message had four words, not two. The complete message was, Wellington defeated the enemy. You guys with me? And I want to say this. Too often, friends, we allow our actions to be swayed by what we understand at the moment. And sometimes we don't take the time to make sure we really understand what someone is saying. And sometimes we simply aren't paying attention. We need to take the time to listen and understand what they're saying so we get the whole story. Amen? And sometimes we are so quick to jump to conclusions while getting, without getting all the facts. And I get amen. Verses 14 and 15. The man's spirit sustains him in sickness. I'm going to read that again. The man or woman's spirit sustains him or her in sickness. This is referring to the person who draws, listen, who draws their strength from God and his word. Got it? It gives a person strength to bear with times of sickness, with times of pain, and with times of trouble. So the man's spirit sustains him in sickness, but, say but, there's a contrasting proverb, a crushed spirit who can bear. And this is referring to a person with a, a wounded spirit, one that has been damaged, that can result in emotional pain and also depression, causing them to want to give up. And what that does, that crushing, damaged spirit, it saps the life out of them, which can result, listen now, in withdrawing themselves from others. And this is something, let's be honest now, okay? This is something that we all have experienced, right, in our Christian life. 
And perhaps you're experiencing it right now. I have a crushed spirit. Haven't you? Yeah. Now, what, what, what some Christians do when having a crushed spirit is, sadly, is they withdraw from God's Word. I've known some believers who just, because they're going through a hard time, they just, they just withdraw from God's Word. And the problem with that is they're living their life by subjective feelings instead of objective truth. You've heard me say this many times. Feelings are a lousy indicator, Right? But God's word, God's truth is an amazing healer. And his word heals our hearts. His word strengthens our lives. His word sustains us in those times. And this is why it's so important when you're going through a hard time, difficult time, to fill your life with God's word. Don't withdraw from it. Run to it. It's also important to be in church. If you have a crushed spirit, if you're down, sad, depressed, facing a hardship, you should be in church. Because here's where you find community. Here's where we can interlock shields, right, and encourage one another. You need community. Don't stay home. Right? This is why it's so important to have godly friends who can love you and help you. Amen? So if you're dealing with a crushed spirit this morning and you're here, Thank God you're here. Amen. Stay in God's word. Be connected with people who will love you and encourage you. 15, verse 15. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. The ears of the wise seek it out. So to acquire and seek speaks of what? Pursuing. Pursuing. The wise person is always learning, always pursuing, always seeking, and always desiring more wisdom. I hope that's us. I hope that's us. You know what this is? This is a teachable person. One who's teachable, who pursues God's word and the things of God. I love that. Now, I want you to write this, uh, chapter 4, verse 7 of Proverbs. Write it down. I'm going to read it from the King James. And I love this. Chapter 4, verse 7. Solomon writes, wisdom, say wisdom, is the principal thing. Therefore, Solomon says, get wisdom. Get it. Get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. In other words, never stop learning. Pursue wisdom, pursue knowledge, pursue understanding. And we as believers should never stop learning. It's like that saying, you stop learning, you stop growing, you stop growing, you stop living. Right? Verses 16 and 17, if you're still with me, say amen. A gift opens a way for the giver and ushers him into the presence of the great. So what Solomon's doing here, remember there's times of Solomon, he, does, he makes an observation. And here... He's making an observation and acknowledging the fact that to give a gift opens doors otherwise closed. But, but, it's easy, listen now, it's easy to see how a gift can become a bribe, right? And unfortunately, we see this all the time with lobbyists in Washington. They're constantly being bribed with a gift. Influence can be bought with gifts, which is not a good thing, friends. And that's what Solomon's saying. He observes this and he sees what's happening. Verse 17, the, the first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. In other words, cross-examines him. The first time, let's be honest, the first time we hear about a story, we tend to believe it until, right? We tend to believe it until someone begins to ask questions. Right? So here's the lesson. And I want you to get this. There are two sides to a dispute. 
There are two sides to dispute. And we as Christians, as believers, we need to hear both sides of the story and get the facts. And it's okay to ask questions. When someone comes to you and says, well, you know, so-and-so-and-so did this to me, ask questions. Ask questions. Well, what did you do? How was it? What was it that caused this dispute? You see, this piece of practical wisdom we see here stresses the importance of getting to the truth. To the truth. My kids know. I, my kids, when they come home from school, when they were younger, you know, Dad, so-and-so did this to me. And I said, well, what did you do to them? Now, they don't like it, but it's true. I, what did you Because I want all the facts to get to the truth. Amen? Verse 18, casting the lot settles disputes and keeps strong opponents apart. Now, we already talked about this, about casting lots back in chapter 16, verse 33. And casting lots, we know this, right, was always used, almost always used for determining God's will and trusting God for an answer. But that's not necessary anymore. We know this, right? We don't cast lots to find out God's will. What we do now is spend time in His Word, in prayer, and seeking His Holy Spirit to guide and lead us into making decisions, right? Amen? Verses 19 to 21, an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city, and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. You know what Solomon's saying here? He's simply saying it seems that the hardest people to win back after dispute are those who are closest to us. Isn't it true? It is difficult to heal and to reconcile that relationship. Now, we should always pursue to try to bring healing and reconciliation, but isn't it most difficult for those who are close to you to reconcile when you have a dispute? And that's his point. We should continue to seek peace and make things right. Amen? Verse 20, from the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is filled with the harvest from his lips. He is, what? Satisfied. So this suggests that our words are not just talk, and speech, not just words, but it's like work well done. I want you to follow me here. Just as good food makes a person strong, good words will also make the person strong. And from, listen, and from well-chosen, well-thoughtful words comes deep satisfaction. Good words, say good words, are like a healthy harvest. Right? Verse 21, the tongue... Say the tongue has the power of what? Come on. Life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So this verse goes further, right, holding that the tongue exercises the power of life and death. Our words, listen now, if you're safe, say amen. Come on. Our words can inspire positive or negative responses. They, they can build up or they can tear down. If you're safe, say amen. The things that you and I say, Christians, will ultimately result in either good or bad consequences. And they're either poison or fruit. Your choice. Your choice. Right? So before you speak, you better think what you're going to say because you can wound that person or bring healing to their life. You can hurt them or help them. Are you guys with me? The fool's mouth, say that, the fool's mouth. Say the safety zone. Say words matter. 
Number four is the wonders of a wife. And all the women said, Amen. Verse 22. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. (laughs) You know what the assumption is here? The assumption is that in Hebrew is that she's a good wife. In Hebrew that she's a wife of nobility. Got it? Such as one who's described in chapter 31, verses 10 through 31. And we're, gonna, we're not going to spend too much time here because we're going to save that for the rest, for the end of the book, right? The end of the chapter. But I want to read a portion of that to you of, of chapter 31. A wife of noble character who can find. It says this, she is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has, I love this, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good. I love that. Not harm. All the days of her life. Having a good wife is a gift from God, guys. It is, right? Having a wife of nobility, one who has godly character, is a gift from God. And my wife is a gift from God. She's a gift from God. I thank God for it. And I am what I am. I am what I am because of who she is in my life. I could not survive without her. I'm lost without her. Are you guys with me? Got it? You find a good wife, you find a good life. Amen? That's the wonders of a wife. And I'm so glad that I found a wife of nobility. Amen? Let's look at verse 23. This has nothing to do with the fourth point, but you know how Solomon is just random in his thoughts, right? A poor man pleads for mercy, but the rich answer harshly. So this is, and again, another observation about the power of money. The fact that the poor have no money, but the rich can throw their weight around and run over others simply because they're rich. You guys got that? So the fool's mouth, the safety zone, words matter, the wonders of a wife. Number five, and I love this point, is a true friend. Say that. A true friend. I love that. Look at verse 24. A man of many companions, a woman of many companions, may come to what? Ruin. But there is a what? A friend who what? Sticks closer than a brother, than a sister. The contrast seems to be between two kinds of companions, right? Those whose friendship is superficial, Friendship that is shallow, they don't act like friends at all when the relationship might cost them something. And then you have the true friend, say true friend, who is as loyal as a brother or a sister. Listen, 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 church. Friends come and friends go. But a true friend sticks sticks by you like family. True? There are friends who will be there for you, listen now, when your own blood relatives may not. That's why, that's the beauty of the church. Some of you are closer to this church family than your own, are your own family. Because you find just this closeness here. And that's okay, amen? 
You want a friend. By the way, you want a friend. I want a friend. I want a friend, Pastor. I want a friend. You want a friend? Then be a friend. You want a friend? Be friendly. Got it? If you want to have friends, then you need, I love this, if you want to have friends, then you need to cultivate, say cultivate, within you a friendliness towards others. If you're always grumpy and griping and always mad and angry, you ain't going to have no friends. But if you display and cultivate friendliness towards others, you'll have friends. Amen? Now, if you're safe, say amen. I want to say this. The closest friend you have is not your spouse. It's not your best friend. It's not your boyfriend or your girlfriend and not your children. Listen, our friends, and I say this because of this, our friends, our spouse, our children will disappoint us. And they will let us down. And we will disappoint them. And we will let them down. Not that we want to or plan on it. We just do. Why? Because we're not perfect. We're human. We dropped the ball. But there's good news. Say good news. Here's a lesson. I'm never alone. Say that. I'm never alone. Why? Because there is one friend, one friend who will never disappoint you. There's one friend who will never let you down. There's one friend who will never leave you nor forsake you. There's one friend who will always be by your side. And that friend, the Word of God says, it's Jesus. Amen? And because of that, we're never alone. We're never alone. And He, Jesus, will be with us in the highs of our life, in the deepest lows of our life. He sticks closer to us than any brother or sister. Why? Because he's a friend to the end. Amen? Praise him. He is worthy. Come on. Let's all stand.